right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Slime House. I'm Jasper. Hey, everybody. I'm Mike. I'm Max. I'm Jared. And I'm Nelson. And today for our Slime Shuffle pick, we are going to be talking about Firehouse Dog. He was the hottest thing to hit the big screen. Compared to you, that Taco Bell dog is just a taquito. But Hollywood's top dog... Skydiving stunt, take one. His parachute didn't open. ...is about to hit an all-time low. Now, a dog who needs a home. End of the line, mutt. <laughs> and a kid who needs a friend. No mom and a firefighter dad. Boy's well, got us. <laughs> Lucky him. Are about to find each other. So in Firehouse Dog, Rex, Hollywood's top canine star, gets lost and is adopted into a shabby firehouse on the verge of closing. He teams up with a young kid to get the firehouse back on its feet. All right, so this one was directed by Todd Holland. He was a big TV director. He directed a lot of episodes of one of my favorite shows, The Larry Sanders Show, as well as Malcolm in the Middle, which I think might have been the slimiest sitcom of its time, if I had to pick one. Uh, he also has directed a few films. They include some slime-adjacent movies, like the the famous Nintendo tie-in film, The Wizard, as well as Krippendorf's Tribe, which might be my least favorite movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but we can get to that in the in a future Krippendorf's Tribe episode, perhaps. <laughs> and it was written by a team of writers, including Mike Werb and Michael Collieri, who were some of the writers behind The Mask and Face Off. So very, very face-centric write, wow. writing team there. <laughs> Uh, the cast of this movie, the most recognizable face is the lead actor, Josh Hutcherson, who went on to be Peter Malark in the Hunger Games film series, also in Journey to the Center of the Earth and a few other kind of late 2000s, early 2010s hits. Big character actor Bruce Greenwood shows up as his father, who's a firefighter, and he's been in a lot of kind of J.J. Abrams movies and the like. The supporting cast also includes Bill Nunn, Mayte Garcia, who was also Prince's ex-wife. And we got to give a shout out to all the different actors of the canine persuasion that play Rex in this. Our Aragorn, Strider, and Arwen were the three dogs that played Rex. I think that probably Aragorn played Rex when he was a movie star, and Strider played him when he was a scrappy street mutt. Yeah, it, it never looks like, the, it honestly never looked like the same dog throughout this movie. So this one is uh, not one we picked ourselves, but was picked for us by the, the slime shuffle powers that be. And how do you guys decide that? Is it like a is it like a sorting hat from Harry Potter that you like? But it's made out of slime. Or? Well, what it is, it's a giant vat of slime, and then when we one of us sticks our hand in, and then when it bring it out, there's a VHS copy of whatever movie we're gonna cover. You know, this week. even even movies that don't have a VHS release, it's a VHS. <laughs> So, Mike, first of all, thank you for joining us as usual. This is, I think, your fourth, third or fourth episode with us. Can I get um, a cool robe like SNL? Maybe. We should send him some uh, something special. <laughs> the VHS copy of Firehouse Dog that we pulled out of the cauldron. <laughs> Had you ever seen this one, Mike, at all? I didn't even know this movie existed until you <laughs> told me about it, which is great. Because normally I'm coming in here like hot with all my own opinions. Like, oh, I've seen Shrek a million times. I've seen uh, Elf a million times. But this time I was like, I've never seen this movie. I don't even know Josh Hutcherson like that. I know him as PETA, and that's about it. Maybe Bridge to Terabithia. I know him from that. But yeah, I've never seen it. 
yeah, no, I, I think this is a new movie for every single one of us, which is not often the case. Yeah, I had only vaguely even heard of this movie, and I didn't really have an idea of what it was. And I was actually surprised by what, what it was, which I'm sure we'll get into later. I expected a different, much different kind of movie. I, I mean, I had younger siblings, so I definitely remember this was like pitched as like something maybe we could go see. And I think it was vetoed. So I, I knew what it was. It was not a, a big movie. I think that's what's kind of cool, too, is like we've been covering a lot of hits for the last few weeks, like movies that have, you know, Slimehouse tentpole status. But this is kind of like a B-side or even a C-side of the genre. It's funny. I, I think this is this movie is actually really interesting for us to watch because I think it's like right kind of in this like the darkest era of kind of Slimehouse, if you will, um, which is like 2007 is when this movie came out, you know, after the peak, after the fall um, in the early thousands. I, I, to me, this is kind of the era where Slimehouse was kind of becoming this style of movie was kind of becoming synonymous with like a bad kids movie, quote unquote, which is interesting because this movie to me in a weird sense felt like it was either a dramatic kind of dog movie that was injected with slime or vice versa, like a slimy movie that they were like, oh man, like this isn't in vogue anymore. Like we got to add some heart to this because this was also around the time you bring up Bridget Tarithia that I feel like Walden Media and their kind of like children's book adaptations like because of Win dixie bridge to terbithia the spiderwork chronicles the chronicles of narnia was the you know the one that really put walden media which was an offshoot at disney on the map they were much more heartfelt kind of kids adaptations of children's books which i think kind of usurped slime house alongside kind of the, the bigger franchises like harry potter and such but yeah it's it, it, it this one kind of feels very um lost in an already lost era. So it, it's a very, very fascinating movie to, to look at. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned because of Winn-Dixie. Because when I said, like, I, this wasn't what I was expecting, I was expecting, like, very much, like, a because of Winn-Dixie type movie. Just a very, like, heartfelt, sort of wholesome childhood dog movie. And But I agree with you that it feels like they were like, this is boring. Let's It either feels like they were like, this is boring. Let's put in some skateboarding and, like, some fart a bunch of farting and burps and stuff <laughs> or like the movie was like an underdog type movie that was just fear gross out and they were like uh shit bridge the because of when dixie's made a bunch of money we need to put in a lot of wholesomeness and stuff like so it's like yeah it kind of feels like a weird combination of different eras of family movies and just an, an odd movie that i think re i agree represents this era perfectly this era of slime house and this era of family entertainment yeah, I think like another movie to bring up, uh, probably the most successful dog movie around this time came out the year after is Marley and Me, uh, Owen Wilson, Jennifer Aniston movie. Um, and they, yeah, that I think that's also kind of like a, a more sincere kind of, you know, movie with a, kind of a tearjerker kind of uh, twist to it at the end. Whereas this is just like the old guard, silly dog movie like Airbud, And we've been meaning to get more into the kind of the dog Slimehouse movies and the cat Slimehouse movies even. So um, it's kind of uh, serendipitous that we landed on this in the Slime Shuffle pick because it forces us to get into that kind of uh, subgenre of slime. There is a Marley and Me Firehouse Dog 2-pack on DVD if anyone's interested. It's available on Amazon, eBay, wherever you'd like to to purchase your dvds did you notice at the beginning of this movie it said that it had mild violence so like i knew that it was about to be like a little darker than normal slimehouse movies i mean it's like the dc version of slimehouse movies so like let's, <laughs> let's break it down 
DC version and that they're trying to do too way too many things in one movie and then it yeah. ends up being a tonal mess. <laughs> a DC version and then it it went straight to HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie felt there's not very many movies. Like I, I I thought there were more when I was thinking this. Like firefighter movies. Like Backdraft is about the only one I could really think of and then ladder 49 ladder 40 then there's the one fireproof that's like a faith-based movie oh, uh, yeah. but like this felt at times more like a like a firefighter movie than a slime house movie and i think that's what lends to its non-sliminess was there's some extended especially the climax which feels like it goes on for a very long time like fire rescue scenes there's a subplot about a like a mad bomber who's trying to like stop firehouse from staying who wants to get rid of the firehouse and just like parts that feel like a a a thriller not like a crazy like adult oriented thriller but feel more like that than the slime house well there was a moment where on that note that i thought it was gonna go down like more of like a scooby-doo-ish jigsaw jones kind of detective narrative when his when you see Spoiler alert, you see his dad has kind of started to pinpoint the mysterious patterns of all these fires that have been breaking out in the neighborhood. And then Josh Husherson's character also does some research on, but puts it on his his very high-tech laptop. It was a webpage. Where he, where he can just search recent land acquisitions. And oh, find all is that what he was doing? <laughs> it, it reminded me so much. That moment was very meet the Deedles where like, the technology was just like very much in service of the movie and not grounded in reality in any way. I think that that's something that was slimy about the movie is not only that technology, but also the whole sort of subplot of like a son with a distant dad. And then he learns that his son like secretly has all these talents that he's been, hasn't been that he's been ignoring and not nourishing enough with his tech skills. And like that felt like a slimy, very slimy, like, father-son relationship especially given that the dad is a single parent which we talk about a lot on here about uh, diff- lots of different not only slime house but family movies but it feels sp- particularly specific to slime a house. single overworked parent yeah who's a d- sort of distant and needs to redeem themselves somehow jasper you said earlier that it gave you like the scooby-doo feel and i i had a note that when they first introduced the actual owner of rex uh, and his like assistant or whoever is his girlfriend side piece. I don't know who she is. They're like dressed like Shaggy and Velma, like completely. And I was like, I don't know if that was intentional or if that was not. But I was like, is this like fan fiction of like what happened after they like graduated from the <laughs> Mystery Machine and like Scooby <laughs> becomes a movie star? And- <laughs> He's wow. also well, little now, but. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I I wouldn't enter it being like, oh, what's not slimy about it? I actually would start by saying there's a lot that is immediately slimy. And one of the things that's unexpected is it starts out like this is where like I wonder how this pitch came to be. But basically the whole kind of twist with it is that the firehouse dog Rex is not just some scrappy mutt, but is in fact Hollywood's biggest movie star. And so when we meet him, he's got the trailer and it's all this like Hollywood star humor, like he's pampered and like kind of one of my favorite tropes where like the humans talk about the dog like it's a human, you know, and kind of act like he's a human. And so that's how we meet Rex in this very slimy way. And like the the subplot of like the real owners of Rex who are always looking for him and they're Hollywood kind of moguls feels 
straight out of the slime playbook. Yeah, I think sort of between like Big Fat Liar, even Space Jam 2, Looney Tunes back in action, like even Hop to a degree has this this sort of like Hollywood LA satire is something I've noticed. It's like, I mean, sort of a, a trope in comedy already, but seems specific in Slimehouse, especially considering that this movie is a movie that like doesn't really lend itself to any sort of Hollywood satire in its very premise. It seems like they just really wanted to put in some like dog actor gags. Like, I think I feel comfortable solidifying like Hollywood satire, which I didn't expect at any point as a, a Slimehouse trope, just based on the amount of times we've seen this, especially in a movie, like I said, like this, that doesn't really lend itself to it naturally. Just seeing it sort of thrown in there so they can have like jokes about him being pampered and wearing a toupee and like having the films Jurassic Bark and Fast and <laughs> Furious, all these. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the Jurassic Bar- Bark has like, it has Rex's name in the cast, and then also it has very randomly Gina Gershon. <laughs> Yeah. Me and Dorothy like paused it. We were like, she's not even in Jurassic Park. Why are they billing her for like she's not in this movie either? So like how did this happen? Yeah, it just know? feels like totally random. Something I was wondering when I was thinking it's like in the universe of this movie, does Jurassic Park exist and Fast and Furious exist? And these are like the thumb movies, like these are like spoofs. <laughs> <laughs> or are these thumb like yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, <laughs> or are these are, are, are these like yeah. She was in Face Off. Oh, so it's a little oh, reference. No. That's so she might be a homie. That's true. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's a, a pretty. Uh-huh. Mm, but yeah, I was wondering, like, are these dog spoofs of pre-existing properties, <laughs> or in this universe, are dog movies like the predominant form of entertainment? Given how huge of a star Rick seems to be, yeah. yeah. Totally. One of my favorite jokes of the Hollywood kind of world in this is the. At Rex's yep. memorial service, um, the scene goes on for a few minutes, and you think it's just kind of a nice memorial service. And then, as um, his previous owner and his assistant are walking out, she looks directly into the camera, breaks the fourth wall, and just kind of like says "cut." And then it reveals that the whole memorial was just like a film set. Like a like a dark <laughs> rain, uh-huh. with fake yeah. rain and lighting, and it's such a bizarre like meta bit that it seems almost like too clever for this movie. But it's to show how fake and artificial his Hollywood life is compared to the grounded, authentic relationship he has with the firehouse. Another scene that's just like a brilliant meta Robert Altman level satire scene in this, worthy of the player, is. The scene where Rex actually comes down to Earth from his uh, plane stunt and lands into a thing of tomatoes. And then as he's discovered, he tells Rex that he smells like rotten tomatoes. Ah. Oh. So it's really a movie about finding a new career after rotten tomatoes. After flopping, yeah. Yeah, after all the bombs and flops. (laughs) Wow. I thought dogs just smell like that after a couple days. I was like, oh, is he just saying he smells like tomatoes? Because, like... I mean, that too. (laughs) And that makes... Yeah, and then I thought when Jasper, you're talking about the memorial, I thought the one last Hollywood gag that I thought was pretty funny is that uh, on his tombstone, he has a Hollywood reporter quote, poll quote, which is just only like a movie person could make, could write that joke. So it does kind of feel like Big Fat Liar where the writers are kind of like reveling in their inside Hollywood 
know-how. Oh yeah. Well, another thing I noticed about the memorial scene is much like the player, there's also some, some big cameos and I don't think by the actual stars themselves, but there's a white duck and then immediately afterwards a chihuahua in like a poncho. And I was like, Oh, so this is like the, clearly they don't want to be explicit because it's copyrighted characters, but it's supposed to be like other famous animals at his funeral, yes. namely the, the Aflac the duck Bell and the Taco Bell dog. Yeah, oh, wow. Our second, our second Aflac duck. Yeah. <laughs> After wow. his official cameo in series of unfortunate events. <laughs> the last thing in the Hollywood bit that I actually, this joke, it was kind of a blink and you miss it joke. The only reason I caught it is because I rewound to screenshot a previous shot, but then it played <laughs> this joke again. At the very end of the movie, Rex's owner is kind of holding a little press conference. And as you kind of pull away, the camera pulls away from the press conference. You hear very quietly in the background. Is it true that Rex has a tape with Paris Hilton's Chihuahua? (laughs) Yeah, I noted that too. It's such an odd joke for like a pretty kid movie. You know, like this is by no means like a movie that adults would, I think, really enjoy family movies are kind of designed for like they gotta have like five or six jokes for like mom and dad because they're sitting there that that was for the adults but it still was a lot because like i don't think Paris hilton enjoyed that video <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like i feel like this and also yeah i feel like the whole gross out like this movie has a lot of gross out humor as far as like scatological stuff goes but yeah i was surprised to see like because it doesn't really have much at all in the way of like innuendos or like naughty little like naughty jokes at all the way that some stuff we've watched does but yeah i was surprised to see that paris hilton joke especially as something that like i don't think i would even notice without subtitles on it's just kind of like such a background thing i doubt like the parents who are just kind of like patiently waiting for the movie to end would would care (laughs) not to mention the implied dog uh escort service <laughs> that was a that was also a very bizarre sequence two very strange scenes in the movie <laughs> that like doesn't really call for those sorts of scenes <laughs> they were like completely purple too like purple green and like pink or something yeah the, the coloring was so bizarre <laughs> yeah babe also has like a purple like babe too specifically babe has too. like an escort like dog that's died some strange like and it's just it's like a poodle i feel like yeah i don't know what's with all these like dog sex worker it might be the same dog it might be a professional sex <laughs> maybe worker so dog. Uh-huh. I'm not, like i'm not gonna shame that dog's hustle yeah uh-huh, the same <laughs> one unfortunately it's only fans account just got canceled <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hi i'm josh hutcherson and this is my pal rex from firehouse dog i'm an actor but i'm a kid too and i go to school but here's a powerful lesson in numbers that i never knew before you can start with just two cats, and over a 10-year period, they can produce 80 million offspring. Our shelters are already overcrowded, and animals are suffering because of it. Support American Humane. Spay and neuter your pets. It's the humane thing to do. Right, Rex? Majority of the movie takes place in this firehouse where the, the dog is constantly referred to as a dirty mutt, and like, you know, and that's kind of 
the kid's arc is he has to kind of like befriend the dog but at first he really doesn't like him he even he's trying to get rid of the dog and he puts up a found flyer that says found ugly stinking mutt and yeah i thought it was funny just like for how much of this movie like josh hutcherson just despises this dog like i knew he was gonna come around to him eventually but i expected it to happen much sooner in the movie than it did because a lot of it's just him like being really upset that this dog is here and wanting at all costs to get rid of it until it brings brings the firehouse a little fame. Oh, we got to talk about the the scene where Rex officially becomes the mascot of this fire branch and does a talent show, and he's competing with a poodle, and the song that is playing when Rex is doing his little circuit is. Just the most peak 2006 song you could think of. It's Move Along by the All-American Rejects. If you know, you know. Mm-hmm. I actually preferred the, earlier on in the movie, the bargain bin cover of I Fought the Law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those yeah. aren't even, you know, those aren't even my favorite. I think my favorite is when we fir- when they first announced that there's a new competitor on the block, Q bad to the bone <laughs> the, and it pans down and he has on sunglasses <laughs> which i think like because this movie i think this movie is like most slimiest aspect <laughs> even aside from what we've talked about it's like it's we talk a lot about movies having sort of like an extreme like cool attitude and this definitely has that in spades and kind of late for a movie to have that yeah and i think that like we've talked a lot about the dog but i think our human protagonist josh hutcherson's protagonist shane who is a very extreme sort of kid he skateboards skips his tests and not only while he skips his tests the aforementioned bargain bin cover of i fought the law is playing which i think is a very good way to show your slimy character and not to mention the reason he misses tests is he's been gaming all night <laughs> on his psp the product placement in this movie was insane like if you notice every snack like they showed the label they showed what chips it was with cereal he's like psp this like i was like stop it even the dad calls it a PSP. That's when you know that's some product. And he says PSP and PlayStation, so he knows like the distinct difference. Yeah, like Sony was all up and through here. My fa- actually, my favorite product placement, while we're just on this topic, actually comes at the very end of the movie when Shane's crush, school crush, whose mom also happens to be the captain of the rival fire station, asks shane if he and his dad want to go to baskin robbins later that night oh yeah yes Wait, what can we talk about so since we're you brought up the other firefighter like what is the love interest situation in this movie i need because like was he in love with the dalmatian dog and that's what he was looking for was the boy in love with the girl was the dad in love with the other firefighter chief i was like this seems like yeah, yeah, well, we we saw earlier him like fantasizing about the, a, a Dalmatian on the beach. It's one of the first things you see in the movie. That's why he's become so depressed. So, which is a very good scene. <laughs> <laughs> they drop it though, like after yeah, the they drop it pretty quick. The whole movie, I was waiting it. for that to be a bigger part of like him being into this Dalmatian. It just never really recurred. She dumped him for an Afghan hound, which is kind of crazy. I so the Dalmatian he ends up like being friends with. I was hoping that it was a boy dog, and I was like, "Is this going to be like a gay dog love story?" I was so down. 
because I was like, I, we need the progress in like 2007. Yeah, that for 2007, 2007. that would have been good. That, that would have been, been extremely good. progressive. They went but too my... far with Legally Blonde 2. They couldn't oh, yeah. keep, keep going on that train. I think all three. I mean, it's funny because it's, it's always funny to see like the the tween romance in Slimehouse because they they're not gonna even hold hands. Like they they're not even gonna like be like, are we or are we? It's just like, oh, you're you're cool, and that's kind of as far as the romance goes. But I think that the writers set it up so that there were three single ladies at one firehouse and three single gentlemen at. The other it's gonna be his stepsister in a, sooner or later so like it's gonna get real like low budget porn I, I i actually will say though one thing i did appreciate about this movie is that there were some narrative like elements that it diverted itself from like a really kind of stereotypical love story like and the, the other one I think that is really that caught me by surprise is the kid feeling really guilty for his uncle or feeling guilty for not feeling remorse about his uncle's death right away. And, you know, saying, oh, I was happy that it was him, not you, dad. And which to me was like, oh, wow, that's like very deep and like complex, you know, psychology for a kid's movie that. You know, usually it's just like the kid's mad at his dad for something because he could have done something different. Mm -hmm. um, but this one is very like, you know, the response, the kid knows what's eating him inside. And it's nothing that anyone else did. It's just like he 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 doesn't understand, you know, these complicated feelings of grief, which more power to Firehouse Dog was a pretty, uh, a pretty good, you know pretty good little thematic twist there yeah yeah i didn't really think about it that way but like yeah this movie definitely had a much more nuanced like approach to grief than i feel like even other slime house movies about grief that we've watched does just in how like sort of complex of a, a guilt it was and how complex of a feeling it dealt with i feel like yeah i didn't give this movie enough credit when i watched it so i'm glad you glad you singled that out another movie that it kind of reminded me of another dog movie uh turner and hooch in terms of like you know the first half of it or so is like a dog comedy and then like as you get towards the end of the movie as you're barreling towards the end it gets very intense and it gets very you know goes places you don't really think a wacky slapstick dog movie would go but yeah i mean to that point i will say i know i know we don't judge quality that much here but i actually i actually like this movie as a kid's movie which i wouldn't have expected from the premise but i i think that it it has a lot of the slime house essentials which is great and so fun the bad to the bone needle drop i just i loved um but then it also yeah it goes places that are really interesting with like the the firehouse itself i really like the chemistry of like the firehouse crew i think that those sort of kind of like the gallery characters or the the chorus is usually kind of obnoxious but i liked all four of those characters and i thought their banter is just like the supporting characters was really fun and and also like it like you said it didn't go the obvious places like there's a female firefighter and in a traditional movie like she would have to end up with one of them right like or one of them had a secret crush on her all along but they didn't go there they didn't need to this wasn't about like a dumb romance like they're just fun characters you know i do have some bones to pick though with this uh this firefighter crew so i mean one is a good thing it's, it's a slime house trope that they had 
if you guys notice, like the the guy that was cooking, his like cooking was terrible. He's like putting Cheerios and like candy and stuff. In. And I was like, just squeezing the ketchup. Yeah, he was yes. like, let me do this so they can so they don't hate the movie too much. But uh, so at the beginning, I was like, there's always like anytime there's a movie with police officers or firefighters, there's always like that one like woman of color who's like a Michelle Rodriguez type, who's like, I'm a tough Latina chick from like the hood or something. <laughs> yep. And I was like, why do they do this? And then like, they had her like boxing in the beginning. And I was like, this is so irrelevant. And then I put my foot in my mouth because they, I was like, oh, okay, I see you with the plant and payoff. Cause at the very end, her like boxing skills play off. And then she like punches one of the guys. But I just thought it was like, I was like, I hate how they portray women, the token woman more or less in these uh shows or movies because they're always like rough around the edges they're kind of mean like even the other fire chief who was a woman she was kind of like a brat for most of it so it was i'm just like maybe that's a personality thing of fire women but i don't know yeah and i feel like the reason why we see this archetype a lot to me is probably because you know a lot of these movies are written for a more male audience so a, a boy is not going to a young boy is not expected to relate to you know a quote-unquote girly girl as a typical girl character so it's like oh we got to make the female character tough so the so the boy thinks she's cool you know so she has clout for, for yeah. the kids which i don't agree with but you know it's it also kind of feels like to me like they're like they recognize the issues with like overly feminized, like feminine characters and stuff, and so they just are kind of overcorrecting by putting in these like ultra tomboyish characters because they just feel like it could feel like instead of actually trying to figure out how to write good like female characters or nuanced female characters, like people have complained about like all these overly feminine characters for so long let's just throw in like a tough character and that solves the issue when instead you could just like you could just write female characters the way you would write male characters and like just be a be, be a decent writer of the characters and so <laughs> and again I, I i like nelson i thought this movie was much better than i thought it was it's a pretty good kids movie but yeah definitely just some like not the most creative writing did anyone cry because i like i the first rescue like and he showed his skills. I like got teary eyed a little bit. Yeah, oh. I, I, there were times I didn't I didn't tear up, but there was definitely times I got a little. I was touched by this movie genuinely, which I wasn't. Yeah. Again, I wasn't expecting from a movie that I thought would be like kind of bottom of the barrel as far as Slimehouse goes. Yeah, I I felt I don't know if I uh, teared up, but I I definitely felt the heart of the dog, and I I liked that he was a dimensional dog, and that like not only was he sincere and heartfelt but you know he also did some sick tricks on the skateboard you know and like i i <laughs> and then, yeah. over a pt cruiser <laughs> yeah, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love the like the balance of that like i i just thought the balance of that was really fun and and it was extreme. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um, i almost walked away when he went down the fire pole because i was like no his his body got long, and I was like, "Ew, this looks weird." Yeah, the CGI was like very strange in this movie. Not only for all the dog scenes, of course, like him doing the stunts, but there was also some very spotty CGI fire throughout the movie. I thought it looked mm-hmm. good in some parts, but there was when the building was on fire and Rex was on the roof. I like rewound it because I thought it looked weird, and the fire looks very like screensaver 
like quality or just like gifs like moved over the screen <laughs> and otherwise it looks good otherwise mostly in the movie but that was just a like really weird and then that same scene they're, they're for some reason they really like having rex leap or fall from very high distances that's like their setup for pretty much all like the kind of like dog stunts in this movie and it just looked so bizarre every time to just have him like plummeting down onto a trampoline or <laughs> But the backflip was, but the backflip was worth the, worth the fall. <laughs> it's also the one thing. Again, like I said, I like this movie. It's not a masterpiece, though. There is something contradictory that the dog is super tidy because he's like kind of prim and proper, and he he fixes uh, young Shane's messy bedroom, which is a great like classic Slimehouse kids bedroom. But he's also a dirty mutt, for lack of a better word. Where like he. Um, you know, poops and farts and makes messes like it's his it's his job. So it's confusing. It's like, is this a clean dog or a messy dog? I took it as um because in in the beginning his trailer is very clean, very tidy. So it's like his space he needs to be clean, but he can do whatever he wants everywhere else. In fact, actually Mike, you said did anyone tear up? I actually teared up laughing when um rex took a dump in the mystery meat stew (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe they went there i was like they really show a it actually showed like the poop like like, it wasn't just like implied i was one of the firefighters he's like i agree with that or something he's like yeah like she's like his soup tastes like and then like oh at least he agrees with me or like something like that about like so it's like kind of like a little a little joke for the adults there too with some implied swearing well and then i think the concept of mystery meat is slimy in general oh, yeah. like i don't think anywhere's ever served something and called it mystery meat but i feel like whenever you're seeing like cafeterias in slime house and they want it to be gross or like mom's making a gross casserole it's always like here's my famous mystery meat and it's like <laughs> and it's like yeah the idea of mystery meat i think is the slime house gag in and of itself we definitely had some mystery meat in elementary school i i was a i was a brown bag luncher but yeah uh, same. Those, those of my friends who what was in your brown bag though because see you're, you're trying to make it sound like you struggled but i'm like tell me about your brown bag it was probably like high-end like i don't snack mean packs. it in that way whatsoever the kids who had brown bag always have better lunches than us we i was a cafeteria food kid and we always felt like we got the short end of the stick did you all ever have cheese boats or bosco stick cheese zombies <laughs> cheese zombies is that a thing yeah it was like uh, bread with cheese in it yeah that's 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 yeah, a yeah. Bo- that's a bosco stick yep. in, in in our parlance Didn't have those. um oh we had uh chili bowl we had chili bowls that were made of like uh like a tortilla chip but in the shape of a bowl and then they poured chili in it oh that's kind of a a unique specialty of the house it was always too hot it was always too hot to eat so like you couldn't i dumb on their part but like you couldn't finish it in time to like eat the chip because it was so hot we had taco bell and little caesars taco bell every wednesday and little caesars every friday damn i've never Mm. heard taco bell only in bakersfield
so one of the more adult elements that I like that's kind of becoming a Slimehouse trope is like the city corruption subplot of this movie. That, uh, in fact, these fires that are happening in the neighborhood of Dogpatch, the, the dog, the fire station, um, are not random. They are acts of arson. And there is a conspiracy going on that the that young Shane has to uncover. And I love the Slimehouse emphasis on corrupt politicians and bigger conspiracies at play. It's funny. I actually, I at the end of this... I made a note that it's a weirdly conservative movie in a, in a, in a way. Like it seems very like pro every man, like the people who run the city are the worst. It's like the firefighters and the cops and you know, like the boots on the ground that are the ones who like make the city what it is. The dog catcher. Very slimy dog catcher, by the way. I've always... Oh, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that's where the movie was going to go when that guy came in. And I was like, oh man, we're in for a ride. But I just yeah. love these kids' movie dog catchers that take glee in their job. Like It's not <laughs> like they just are dog catchers. It's like they're, they're dog catchers because they despise dogs. No, all dog catchers are bad. That backflip, man. That backflip over the gate. To get away from the dog catcher? Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Rex's tricks, man. You got to see him. We cannot do him justice on audio i do have something to respond to what you said jasper how you're talking about it being like every man like there was this, this line in it that really bothered me it's when the dad was like come over here son and sit down and watch football with your dad like we used to do in the old days and i was like what is the son doing that makes him not be interesting to the dad like it's only him watching football makes him interesting i was like it was very gender conforming i i, I hate to do that to movies but the fact that they included that line plus like the pro firefighter, pro law enforcement, like how intense it was about these types of themes. I was like, I got that feel too, that it was a very conservative propaganda of like law enforcement in mind. But ironically, it's revealed second movie after Max Keeble's big move, where it's revealed that the secret plot of the bad guys is to destroy things to make way for a brand new football stadium, <laughs> which is a very funny, like, trope that like you said it does play well with like the union fireman type but yet the villain is like the fancy new football stadium well and that's kind of why to me it's interesting in that you know i i would say that i am also a pro-union kind of guy you know i i think it, it had this like weird government elite is bad attitude to it and to me, it felt kind of like this this modern conservatism, like kind of like what you're saying, Mike. Oh, the good old days, you know, like back when we can just sit at home and watch football and not worry about anything, you know. There was an aversion to kind of progress in this movie, even though the the progress in this movie is pretty bad, you know. It definitely, based on how they treated Hollywood and the politicians, it seemed like they were trying to like say the elite are bad. I, f- I feel like the idea of replacing a fire station with a football stadium is just like very capitalistic and just as far as like the government's trying to shut down these like these small scrappy like like it reminded me a lot of Ghostbusters, which is another movie that like I feel like mm-hmm. I hear pinpointed as having a conservative message or conservative plot that I've never really given enough thought to to really make up my mind either way. But that's what it, that plot reminded me of in this movie. I think it's more specific to Slimehouse where, like, it's always bad to, like... Like, in Hey Arnold, the movie, you know, they're they're tearing down the neighborhood to build a fancy mall. And I feel like 
interesting for like again like consumer product which slimehouse is born from that it's always against like the fancy football stadium or the the brand new mall or whatever that like there's something yeah like it appreciates about the good old days so i don't i don't put politics like it, it doesn't really like fit into one camp it's just kind of like has this you know good old-fashioned sense of it i mean in some ways you can like we always say you know slimehouse radicalized the millennial um you know it could be a you know seen as like an anti-gentrification kind of message too and i feel like also slimehouse just has a tendency like the whoever's like the man is the villain like whoever is like in charge and in this movie it's just that's what happens to make sense i can see the political argument either way because i was thinking more in nelson's line sort of like anti-gentrification like we're not like tearing down the firehouse to build football stadiums was sort of the of any kind of political message, I guess that's what I thought. But I can see I'll take that one. Uh, I can see some of the conservative messages because this movie does just kind of have kind of like a very all-American like vibe. Like there's lots of American flags that kind of recur yeah. several times. It ends with the president giving everyone medals at the White House. Like it just—it's a very American movie, which I feel like it yeah. gives it a it's- sort of conservative, just because it, it does feel almost like a like patriotic movie in some way yeah and i think that's maybe where myself and it sounds like mike might have gotten that impression especially because in this era this was still the bush era a few years removed after 9 11 where you know like there there was was so so much much of that that in that that era so so much much, you know patriotism patriotism and and i hate hate to put put patriotism patriotism and conservatism in the same boat because i don't don't think think they're they're the same thing thing, obviously but there was something about the way it's tone that kind of felt a little yeah i thought like presidential medal scene definitely while that was i was like oh this is like real bush era like this is very bush era movie like this feels like this even if it's the tail end this feels like a very a bush movie the dog tail end (laughs) and i i think that's what i mean by when i say conservative like i talking about like bush era before not whatever we were dealing with the last couple of years that gets confusing you know the american heroes true american heroes which is not that bad. My dad was law enforcement, and I was a Republican in 2007. So I would have loved this movie if I saw it. I do have one more kind of community note that I think is a trope that I don't think we've talked about too much. Is community carnivals or, you know, commu- small amusement parks and towns. Uh-huh. I feel like we, we, we've seen this in a lot of our spooky slime last year um, during the Halloween shows. Like a lot of, like, street fairs and – or or carnivals that the kids go to, you know, to run around. Oftentimes it's, you know, it's a date, but here it's, you know, this firehouse barbecue in the park where Rex does his, makes his public debut as a, as a trickster. But for some reason, you know, they, again, it's kind of that, that down home community feel, but I feel like we've seen quite a few carnivals. I think we've watched so many small town, like movies that are set in smaller towns. This isn't like a tiny town, but it's not like a major city. It's not a super metropolitan. And I feel like, like festivals and carnivals and street fairs are an easy way to like bring a bunch of people, bring a bunch of characters together in a movie, especially if it's like the, a small community, like the firehouse, for example. And I think it serves well for that purpose. And also it's just fun, very visually dynamic without even really having to try to be like, if you got some sort of like dog talent show or fair ride going on in the background, you have some visual fun to the mm-hmm. proceedings. Another new trope that kind of brought up there is uh young Shane's kind of 
love interest, the, the tween girl. You'll notice she has a lot of like WWF, not wrestling, but World Wildlife Foundation swag. And then we only once do we see her bedroom and it's full of stuffed pandas and WWF stickers. And maybe it's just because we're coming off the tale of um, Princess Diaries where uh, Mia is all about, you know, environmental advocacy. But it's just kind of this funny thing of like, oh, let's make, let's give her some character give her some WWF swag and she has character now, you know, and that's it. Like that organization meant that like the kid like cared about the planet or whatever. And you know, it's, it just substitute. And I think I've talked about this theory before on the show. I I do have a theory that, you know, in the nineties and kind of creeping into the thousands, but not so much. There was a lot of movies based around kids saving animals or, Rest and, and dramatic movies too, not not necessarily slimehouse movies. Um, like Free Willy is kind of you know the poster child for this. You know, kids seeing how the adults treat animals or how the larger society treats animals and trying to release them into the wild or give them a better life. And I think that that definitely creeped into this era a little bit in that you know it gives it gives the kids an easy moral compass to understand like oh they're a good person you know because they like animals i think that it is a trope to keep an eye on for sure yeah i think another sort of like earlier subgenre that kind of creeps into this movie a lot or not even creeps it's very prominent in the movie is sort of the famous animal subgenre of slime i feel like there's a lot of these movies about animals that do something exceptional and sort of become celebrities babe obviously is the most famous but there's also gordy is another pig Ooh. one and there's a, a few of them Airbud, of course is a, another famous example and as well as a lot of the spin-offs like the the most valuable primate and movies like that but this definitely it came a lot later than a lot of those ant movies that involved animals becoming celebrities and i think that like it's sort of the way it combines that genre with sort of like the hotel for dogs, like dreamer type genre of like kid helping an animal is what gives this movie like a much slimier touch than I was expecting from like the advertising and just like my preconceived notions of like what a 2007 dog movie is like <laughs> compared to like a pre like compared to like what a 2004 dog movie is you, know, you know, this is a niche show when Max is debating what a 2007 dog movie is Versus in comparison to a 2002 dog movie. Yeah, times, but, the times of dog movies changed a lot in the, a brief but, time. But one thing never changes, and that's another thing Max observed in Snow Dogs, and that is any dog movie has a moment where the bad guy, the, the dog is barking at the bad guy, or just the character is scared of the dog, and... They say, nice doggy, nice doggy, as he's getting barked at, which this included. I was like, Max, you were right. Yeah, that's peak, that peak dog movie. And then you got to have, of course, like a lot of like pee and poop, which, of course, as we've discussed, this has in spades. Even, I don't even think we've mentioned one of the last things he yeah. does in the movie is puts out a fire with his pee. <laughs> Just to get in the home stretch of this episode, we got to get into that gross out humor. I mean, one of the most memorable and probably the slimiest little shot of the movie for me is uh, it really made me wonder, can dogs burp like humans do? Because that happens here. They can. Uh, I've heard my dog burp before or my childhood dog burp before. But it's, it's a little, little weird sound. belch like the movie? No, it's yeah. a dog burp I feel like is more like a bug. But you can tell it's like definitely yeah well it's this is a human burp that uh rex puts on josh hutcherson yeah face. and as josh hutcherson calls it uh, a mouth fart yeah <laughs> which is a, yeah 
no one calls it that. Yeah, no one's ever called it that because, like, like we I know how we said like this feels kind of like a dog drama with like slime added on, farting and burping. Not the burping, but there's a lot of farting that feels like it's just like eighty yard in to have yeah. some fart. Like because there's one part where they're trying to sleep and he can't sleep because the dog's farting all night long, and that just feels like that's not really the tone of this movie, not really the vibe of this dog. Like, Actually, the opening line of this movie was like looking back on the movie after having watched all of it. It feels very like shoehorned in to be slimy, like where you, I think Josh Hutcherson is narrating about like stars and how he met a star, but he describes a star as like a big thing of smelly gas. Yeah, that's and right. I was like, what? It was doing too much with, with that. Yeah, that yeah. whole weird like metaphor of the stars felt very like how do we start this like a serious family film, but then like also with this the this big ball of gas feeling a little a little slime. Yeah, and then one last thing. Rex's dog cologne that um, was advertised in the movie. It smells of squirrels, bacon, and butt cracks. That's disrespectful. When, when they said that, I was like, wow, that almost feels like a, like a swear word. <laughs> like, the way, the way, because you never hear anyone, like, say that in a movie, I feel like. Butt crack? Yeah. It's like remolent <laughs> is a word she uses to describe it, which was like, I've never heard that word before. Like, like you hear butt and you see butt cracks, but you don't hear <laughs> butt crack. Like, yeah. yeah. I think it's the word crack. There's some stuff that's oh, man. not suitable for all audiences. You better not snore. You're such a jerk. All right, are we ready to move into some some slime scores for for the firehouse dog then? Yeah, I'll jump in with my slime score. I uh, this was an interesting movie, kind of as I said, just right on the top of the episode. You know, it it feels kind of a movie that doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. You know, it has a lot of slime elements, but it also has so much like heart and tenderness to it. It reminds me a lot of another Bruce Greenwood movie. We watched racing stripes um, in that it, it, it has almost these two halves. Anytime the animal is in the movie, it's a slime, it's a slime central, but anytime it's just the kind of humans at the core, it's a very tender heartfelt movie. Um, so I'm going to give this, an eight, a very low eight um, for me um, because I, I I could teeter down to a seven. Maybe you guys will convince me, but uh, it, yeah, there's just the, it, as much slime as there is in it, 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 there's as much kind of dramatic weight in it. And I think that that is not very slimy at all. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to land on a very low eight, um, which is also what I gave racing stripes, which to me is the best comparison of what we've seen on the show thus far. Yeah, I'd give this an eight. I think Racing Stripes is the perfect comparison. That's kind of what was on my mind. Um, I maybe wouldn't go as low with my eight. That's a pretty pretty high eight for me, just because I think compared to Racing Stripes, the the human character of uh, Josh Hutcherson's character is a slimier character for sure. And it's, it's like he skateboards, he listens to, he has an American Idiot poster, he games all night, like just a, <laughs> a perfect slime protagonist, which Racing Stripes didn't really have, but still I can't with good confidence go any higher for just the aforementioned reasons that like for all the slime this movie has, which with the dog is very slimy, slimier than I was expecting with all the, the movie star stuff and how... And and all the dog CGI's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of dog reactions. Like, overall, even if it wasn't a talking dog, about as slimy as a dog can get without without speaking. And so, 
Yeah, I feel confident in an eight for this one. I think it's a slimy movie, sort of a hidden slime gym. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of times our slime scores talk about like the historical context and the the importance of it because I think that plays a role in in the slime score of and this is definitely like a random slime movie and so it's like in a weird way you can kind of see it in a vacuum because this movie had no kind of cultural legs to it like I have yet to hear anyone quoting Firehouse Dog. But I think, so in that sense, you can, even something like Racing Stripes, I feel like had a moment like, like Max is talking about how kids were seeing walk this way on the playground. This was a much more like forgotten movie altogether. So you can really judge it just based on what it is. And I, it's an eight for me as well. I think it's just, it's just like right down the middle. Like, could it have gone slimier? Yes. But it has all the, all the trappings and all that. And even some of the heartfelt moments feel born of Slimehouse. The the big discussion with the father's son, which is a really nice scene, ends with the dog farting. And it's like, you know, even when they're going serious, they're still going to go back to a fart. I'm going to go one point lower on this one. I'm going to give it a seven. Um, it, it just both thematically and then also in terms of the humor that's on display, I think there is enough. It's, it's a seven out of 10 in both kind of ways I would score a Slimehouse movie. Um, the movie I was kind of comparing it to was Zookeeper, which I feel like by comparison kept the kind of slime, like the kind of silliness and goofiness and ridiculous grossness like throughout. Whereas this, I feel like really tapered off the slime in the third act when it became more serious. And there's a, a point where you actually think, you know, the main kid character might die in this fire. And it's also that like as a 2007 movie, you know, I feel like, We've talked about this a little bit, but like that kind of feels a little past the peak of slime. And we, you know, I think with more recent Neo Slime movies, we've been kind of like scoring those in like kind of a different way. Like this is what Slime House looks like now. But as a 2007 movie, it feels like this was neither the slime of then or the slime of today. It's kind of this in between that's kind of hard to pinpoint. So yeah, seven out of 10. Uh, whoops, damn, I gotta go last. Slime score, I would have to go because I don't want to, I can't be the same as y'all. I'm going to probably have to give it like a high eight or a nine. I, I do feel like it's easy to be critical because the movie just is like a shitty movie overall. I'm sorry, whoever made fire, like the Firehouse Dog Crew, my bad. But it is what it is. I think it, it definitely hit all the Slime House points that it tried to hit because like the minute you come in and you got the the kid who's kind of the fish out of water at the school. If you didn't notice, that's why he ditched school. His dad is law enforcement. There's the cute girl from afar that's cool because her mom works for the cool firehouse. Like, they're, and then the dog, obviously, basically could damn near do anything besides talk, which is like airbud quality. So I was like, okay, this is, it's definitely, like, they checked all the boxes for Slimehouse. They just didn't execute all of them like in the way that other movies that might have been a little more popular did. So I, I, I understand like lower scores, but as far as following Slimehouse tropes, I would give it a higher score. Also, after Nelson or someone mentioned about like how it like touches on like how millenn- how millennials are created from Slimehouse, I started to think of this movie like the dad and the fire department and like the other woman, like they represent like Democrats and Republicans, right? Because his is blue and she was like red, if you guys notice the colors of their like stripes. Um, and then the kids, the boy and the girl, because she's like environmental and the boys like tech represent like millennials, which they are our age anyway. And then the dogs kind of represent like agriculture and, and 
stuff like that. That's why it was almost about to catch on fire and burn up. And like the kids want to like save them, and like only the connection to that is the millennials that are looking out for these dogs. And then you have like the football stadium, and then the politicians, which are like the corporations, are like trying to ruin everything. So this is why it gets an eight because it's like if you think about it really hard, Firehouse Dog was woke as fuck. Also, it had the Malcolm X joke that we almost forgot to talk about. Oh yeah, yes, I meant to bring that up. That was that was an odd placement for that joke. I didn't like it. So that's why you get an eight. You would have got a nine, but you did the whack joke, and he was like, power to the people. Mm-mm. Knock some points off. Well, I could, yeah, I couldn't tell if the joke was thrown in there because Shane was like, oh, this is the black firefighter. I'm going to, oh, Malcolm X's birthday, because it's something. No, 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 no. It was just because oh. Martin Luther King's a holiday, and he was like making up a holiday similar no, to a real they, holiday. They it did was... what they did, Jasper. You felt that. Well, because they had the black firefighter do like a do a whole thing. Like they had him like uh, I don't know. No. I mean normally <laughs> I'm the first like normally I'm I'll have you guys as guests on my podcast and then we'll break it down. We'll unpack it. All right. I love yeah, it. We, yeah, let's, we can break we, down the we could we could yeah we could talk about slime we could, we could do the 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 racial politics of slime house. Oh, slime house yeah. Yeah. So that'll be a good a good yeah, episode. I think that'd be a good crossover. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm glad to got to get into our our dog subgenre, our fire subgenre, and and sl- and slime shuffle has brought us back to 2007 once again with a much slimier movie this time. And uh, thank you, Mike, for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Next time, make sure your sorting hat or whatever the hell it is, your slime bucket picks out a, a cooler movie. Like, I'm, I'm more like Baby's Kids or something. Come on now. Baby's Kids and your favorite, Fern Gully, are both in the in the bucket. So I can't wait for Fern Gully. Well, again, thanks so much, Mike. Um, and until next week, you guys, stay slimy. Slimehouse, a podcast created by Jared Anderson, Jasper Birnbaum, Max Morris, and H. Nelson Tracy. If you like this episode, you can find more fun on slimehousepod.com. Our website is created by Brian Hume of Valencia Creative Company. Our theme music composed by Greta Russell. Support this podcast at anchor.fm slash slimehousepod or by following us on social media at slimehousepod on all platforms.